I think I think there's a few things at play there, which are honestly like it's like magic in motion. And I think one, the exposure to nature when you're surfing, being in the ocean, which is the most inky blue place of like magic you can ever experience, is something that is so good for you mentally and physically. Um, I mean, there's studies about this, obviously. Hello and welcome to the UK Surf Show. We are your hosts. I'm Pete. And I'm Leighton. On this episode, we chat to Sophie Everard. Yeah, or you'll find her Sophie Mad to Live on Instagram. Yeah, so she's really cool. She's a like a proper badass surf chick, isn't she? Yeah, she runs uh, surf retreats in Portugal. Well, all over the world, actually, but her main one's in Portugal. Yeah. Um, she's done one in the UK as well. Yep, she is ambassadors for charities. She works with brands. She is a journalist. Um, she does quite a lot, really, doesn't she? And not just in the surfing community, but in kind of adventure sports. Yeah. Uh, I think she's a fitness instructor as well. Yeah. Very busy, high energy. She was great. Yeah. Took us ages to get her on here. <laughs> yeah, it did, yeah. We've been trying to get Sophie on for a while now, but yeah. obviously she's really busy, so yes. it's difficult to get her on. So. Schedules didn't work, but finally yeah. got it done. Yeah, I'm really pleased to come on. She was good. Yeah, here you go. Okay, so my name is Sophie Everard, also sometimes known by my pseudonym Sophie Mad to Live, which is what a lot of people call me. Um, but I'm the founder of a brand called Mad to Live, um, which includes Mad to Live retreats, which are women's surf and adventure retreats around the world. And I'm a journalist. Um, yeah, so right now, many of us are having an unusual year. I've kind of been taking it easy and hunkering down in my home out in Portugal and just writing a lot and surfing and kind of plotting what I can hopefully pick up with next year with my awesome brand, Mad to Live Retreats. Yeah, so I suppose this has been quite a difficult year for you then, really, with travel restrictions and the COVID thing. Yeah. Um, so have you, you managed to cope okay? Yeah, to be honest, like, I've so I've been running my own business for the last five years. And before that, I've always worked in the action sport industry, whether that's for brands in marketing and PR um, or agencies and for publishing businesses. So always had my, yeah, always worked within the industry for the last 14 years and doing my own brand for the last five years was absolutely the most incredible journey, but also exhausting. So whilst it's like this double-edged sword of, um, you know, 2020 has really been horrifying uh, in so many ways, I did need to take a step back and just like almost have a semi-sabbatical so I could just like get my energy back after the wildness of the last five years, which, you know, comprised like endless travel. Um, So that's not just running my trips. That's also like being a journalist and also producing content under my Mad to Live company. So yeah, I've been, I've been good. I've been like hunkering down at home in Portugal, uh, doing plenty of writing for the different outlets I work for. And whilst I miss running my retreats because they are just like, 
<laughs> they're, they're really wild. They're really, really good fun. And though I miss that energy, it's been good to kind of have a break, take stock and just appreciate the small things that are, you know, great in life. Yeah, I think a lot of people have felt like that. A lot of people have felt like it's been a, a, a very needed break. I know, I know there's a lot of bad stuff happening mm. as well, but a lot of people we've spoken to have felt that need for a break and they've been able to put everything in order and you know do all their sort of admin work and everything like that and now everyone's sort of back fresh raring to go again yeah absolutely I feel like I am someone who I would describe as having kind of maybe inhuman amounts of energy (laughs) and I have um, a number two who works for me Lucy who's currently stuck in America she's an American and she was she's always like god damn it you're an animal and I'm like I'll take that as a compliment but yeah, I, I think like I did kind of reach a like hit a wall last year because there's only so much that you can really do and I was just traveling like a nutter and like as well as doing mad to live retreats, like I have a few other things going on under my brand. Um and I just yeah, really needed to just chill out and basically like not be in an airport every single week as well. And it's enabled me to actually focus on other parts of my business which I find which might be the most important parts which is like the different charitable endeavors that we work with um and just like yeah taking a step back enjoying life being able to surf with friends um I'm lucky that my family live out here so or some of them do we're kind of spread around the world but my mom's here so at least I've been able to keep my eye on her and yeah just enjoy some busy Portuguese waves (laughs) yeah nice so the so your your mad to live retreats and that that's the the main thing I kind of uh, notice you on Instagram first of all because of that it just looks like a really cool thing because it is you know women only retreats isn't it and yeah it's not all about surfing it is you do so much stuff in well how long is it like, like a week is it seven days or? they're a week some of them used to be ten days but yeah so I am. I love to surf, but I'm also like a massive advocate of just outdoor sports in general. Um, And on top of that, so that's like one third of it is like, you know, being exposed to outdoor sports and how fantastic they are for your mental and physical well-being. Two, bonding with other women from all different kind of walks of life. Um, I have had every kind of personality trait you could imagine come on these camps women from all sorts of backgrounds all around the world, from Syria to Australia, New Zealand to Ireland, Canada, America, the UK, France, Cyprus, Hungary. I mean, we're really proud of them. We get to meet some absolutely freaking cool chicks. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, sport, the sports basically, like, I run the retreats in countries that I've had a massive tie to, whether, to be honest, I've lived in most of them. So Portugal's our home retreat and Portugal... I've lived in on and off since I was a teenager, although we've had our family house here since I was tiny, like three years old. Um, And then Costa Rica, where I've lived and where my surf coach is, uh, Morocco. And then I've done done one in England before, which I'd also like to continue with at some point. Um, But they're basically showcasing the best of the area, like different adventure sports, working with amazing coaches uh and then we have a lot of really amazing action happening through our mad to give channel so partnering up with organizations in the local community which is a way for our guests to not just give back but also get a better understanding of either the environmental or social landscape 
um, which has really been really cool. And all our clients have been really artful. So it's been really, really awesome seeing that. Yeah, that's good. That's, that sounds nice. Is that something with the, with the Mad to Live retreats, is that something that happened organically or is that something you, you actually, you know, this is what I want to do with my life? How did it, how did it all come about at the very start? So I have to tell you, like when I was a teenager, I had this sudden realization. I was like, okay, I definitely know I want to work within the action sport industry. I was doing a snowboard season when I was 18 and I got to work on a couple of live events, um, which I loved. And I thought, dang, I was like, this is it. You know, this is the, this is the industry that really I feel very energized by. So that was it. And I went to study university and then I started working within marketing pretty much immediately and publishing and sales initially. Um, I kind of felt in my gut, even when I was a teenager, that I wanted to do something that could benefit other people. And the thing is, I knew that I wasn't going to be something outrageously, insanely awesome, like a doctor or someone who really saves lives and, you know, does something like that for people. That's a, that's a different thing. But I knew in my... Yeah, so, but I knew in my own silly little way, I wanted to do something that would make people feel good. And basically, after a couple of years working with the industry, within the industry, I knew that I was trying to basically get to a really high point in my career there and accumulate as much knowledge as I could. And I was lucky to work with some fantastic characters and individuals. I had an amazing boss. Uh, the last brand I worked for before I started Mad to Live was Oakley, and I was the PR manager for Europe. And, yeah, I had some amazing... Um, inspirational like mentor type figures there and I just got to a point where I was like oh I, I had this vision to start mad to live and I was kind of I'd qualified as a personal trainer and a surf coach and I was really really deeply immersed within the world of sport uh, and I was also frequenting this pretty much 90% chicks only gym which I loved and I could really see like one this is when I was quite young like how good it made me feel to you know, not just surf, but just live a healthy lifestyle to try different sports. Um, and my life became all about that. And after I qualified as a coach, I basically was like, I want other girls to feel this way, you know, like people should understand that there's a fantastic way for you to nurture your own health. And I mean, you know, cerebrally and physically, and that's through exposure to sport. And that it's not too late to ever start something new that you can continue to challenge yourself, you can push your own boundaries you can learn about you know limitations you thought you had they don't freaking exist uh so mad to live kind of like sat simmering with me for a little while and then i pulled the trigger worked with an amazing branding artist and uh she still works with me now and put it together and just kind of like grew it from the tiny teeny little kernel it was um yeah. and that was like six yeah six or seven years ago and my vision had always been to start the retreats and they've definitely got a very unique DNA because, um, yeah, like, like I said, it's not just about surfing or being women only. It's the fact that it's showcasing the best of the area we're in, um, exposing the clients to the environmental and like social communities, meeting local awesome chicks, bonding with the other guests on the camps, and then hopefully taking something what they understand of what mad to live is and it's like having that kind of 
energy and stoke for life that you can really absorb and learn so much from sports like surfing and climbing and mountain biking and horseback riding um, and understanding that, you know, you might have that bit more within you than you thought. And, you know, it's a bit of confidence you can take within you, within you to your external life, I think. But it's that, um, that feeling that you get when you're doing something like that, which requires like a hundred percent focus yeah. uh, all the other problems disappear don't know we we uh, a few years ago it was like 10 years ago no isn't it a few we, years ago yeah <laughs> so, so we we had a extreme sports review website yeah and so we, we got to do like cool stuff like bungee jumps and skydives and climbing all that kind of stuff and when you're doing it and you're in that moment mm. nothing else matters at all like when you're hanging 350 foot off the top of a cliff and we'll be doing rock paper scissors to see who went first over <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a rapid descent forward facing abseil called a rap jump yes uh, no, nothing else matters in that moment at all and uh, apart from well surviving a space yeah. Yeah. but there's something liberating about that isn't it and, that, and that's i suppose that's where that term adrenaline junkie comes from Ooh. isn't it that, yeah i relate to that term in a big way but i have to tell i gotta tell you i kind of feel like I've been characterized by being a slight adrenaline junkie my entire life. And a lot of people would have called me that. But I actually feel that as an adrenaline junkie, because of this year and being forced in many ways to take a step back, I've kind of like fused being an adrenaline junkie with having a deeper understanding and like a calmer side of me that I've been nurturing and understanding with that. Um, because adrenaline junkies, like I've had, I've had a burnout from working too hard and, you know, it's really tough and I don't want to ever experience that again. So now I've kind of got a more like complete yin-yang understanding of like me as the adrenaline junkie and then also the calmer, more like grounded side, which I've really enjoyed nurturing this year. And I think you can be both. And I think like other adrenaline junkies out there might think, you know, you can only be that, but you can be both. And I've definitely learned that this year. It's been cool to kind of like take the steps to figure it out. Yeah, I think a lot of people who are labelled an adrenaline junkie, a lot of the ones we've spoken to and people have met in, you know, normal day-to-day life, yeah. that people would say they're an adrenaline junkie, they've got a very calm side to them as well, which yeah. is, I think they get they get their fix of everything, you know, from doing those sports that get mm. that pump in, and mm-hmm. then the rest of the time, they're always they're like quite calm, mellow people most mm. of the time. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think about, like, I mean, I'm not the freaking best surfer out there at all, not by any means, or all of the other sports. They just make me so happy. And, you know, I love to share that. But I, I think about, like, really elite and high-level athletes I've met in my life, and I've kind of worked with athletes my whole life, whether that's um, through editorial. I've interviewed some absolutely amazing characters over the last 12 years. And then also working for brands, and that's like working with our key talent. And a lot of the most elite, elite, elite ones, they aren't adrenaline junkies. They're like very grounded. They know exactly what they're doing. There's a very calm Jedi-like approach to like, I mean, some of the big, some of the big wave surfers I've interviewed, for example, like I've interviewed Cotty, who's a legend, and then yeah. this Brazilian surfer, big wave surfer out here, Michelle de Bouillon, and like, I mean, none of them. I didn't get this whole, like, kamikaze-esque. I'm out there to, like, ah, like, send it and, like, you know, destroy myself. They're very, you know, prepared, grounded, calm. It's, like, 
it's like you know preparing for like when I've spoken to free divers as well you've got to slow everything down and it's that like amazing focus and I've learned a lot by speaking to athletes like that well yeah and also um when because we've met a few people uh through doing the um the extreme sports website we had and they're actually more safety conscious than what you would think. You'd think, like you said, they'd go in kamikaze absolutely crazy. And yeah. they're actually not. They're, they're the, the yeah. safest people that you could meet. Everything's double-checked, triple-checked. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and if, it, if it's not totally right, they won't do it. And it, So I was quite surprised when, when we got into that kind of world mm. that it was like that. Because you do think they're just going to go full-on, headfirst, <laughs> you know, jump out of a plane. Don't worry about it, parachute, it'll be all right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I that's how I used to approach it. And then you like you know, you pick up a couple of injuries and aches and pains and realise actually you kind of like what I love about these sports as well is how you're kind of caring for your body. But then I sort of realised I wasn't because I was just like screaming YOLO and like sending it into the unknown. And now this year, I've really been like nurturing and caring and like doing the inside that you need so much of as well, because a lot of these sports, even if you're just sort of cruising on, you know, like mellow waves surfing, even if you're out in the water for like an hour or two, that's still quite intense for your body, especially, you know, like up back and the neck and you need to like balance it out. So I've definitely been picking that up. And when I speak to these guys, you know, yeah, it's cool to kind of get that insight that they're not just like balls to the wall nutters. Although some of them have got a touch of that. And I think it is really rad when you meet athletes like that and you're like, oh my God, freaking it. If you're like mental, but I really dig yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no, some of them are insane. So back, if I, sorry, jump back to the, the retreats. Is there a reason that you decided just to do specifically for women or you know have you ever thought I might do couples or I might do men and women or is there a reason that you just did women only I think basically I think we've come a long way from like oh I'm I'm the only girl surfing out there actually no I feel like if you go to so many breaks now the blokes are outnumbered by the chicks and it's very different situation to maybe when some of the most iconic female surfers in the world were out there like to be fair, though, sometimes I've been in Devon and I've still been maybe the only girl a couple of times, but I would say that's a rarity. But I think because when I was working at this gym, which was predominantly women, I really, I know, and as a woman myself, I could kind of like see how the drop-off rate of girls doing sports starting from high school is like insanely bad. And especially with like swimming as well and girls just stop doing it immediately and then the difference is dramatically different to that of boys I wish I could have the statistics in front of me but if you check it it's true and I just you know like the stresses of modern life and especially when you're working like a lot of these women who come on my camps like very busy fast-paced career settings um and that's not including the other pressures of you know, modern life, like that we've got going on, let alone a freaking pandemic. And I really wanted to speak to these women and I could relate to them. So I really wanted to create something that would be beneficial for them and for them to understand that, yeah, it's never too late to try these sports, to meet other like-minded people and to take yourself on a crazy adventure that might change your life. Well, actually my, my sister booked onto one of your retreats (gasps) and and the everything happened and and she couldn't she couldn't come along oh, um but one of the reasons why she wanted to come on she went through like a 
transition in her life mm-hmm. and um she um was like quite a high flyer in london and mm-hmm. really really wanted to meet like-minded people and try something new mm-hmm. so i mentioned you to her mm-hmm. and she looked on your instagram account she said do you know what looking at sophie's instagram account has made me really happy i've got to go on one of these retreats and unfortunately the pandemic hit and and you had to cancel i think it was one of the ones that later on in, yeah. in the year yeah um it's a real shame but um she wanted i asked her to like is there any questions you'd like me to ask and she wanted to know is um do people stay in touch after after your retreats or is there anything set up that you guys all kind of either meet up or, or anything like that to kind of keep the community together do you know what i absolutely love that she asked that because that's probably the most special thing that's ever come out of the retreats and i have some i mean i was just surfing with a girl cat who at two girls who were both clients on my camps four years ago and they both now live here in the same town in portugal because surfing transformed their lives we're all still best friends we all been to bali together two years ago but that's just the tip of the iceberg i have had some insane stories about some of these girls and women who've met on the camps and they're literally best friends um and i get invited to their gatherings afterwards and like seeing the electricity amongst them and it's not just like younger girls let's say like early 20s this is like women from like 35 onwards as well and a lot of them have felt yeah it can get quite lonely actually especially if maybe like I'm thinking about some of my clients maybe who might be sort of like in their 40s and 50s and if you have a really fast-paced career maybe you've decided you don't want to have kids or anything and just meeting this like seeing the magic that comes out of them meeting other like-minded women and women they might not usually meet yeah we have a lot of people. I would say 90% of the group stay in touch. And I've actually been on so many different trips and experiences with them since where I'm the guest. And it's like the tables have turned. Um, <laughs> and I've, I've personally, yeah, like the fact that I have two of these chicks living here now, one of them became a surf coach herself, having been a complete beginner surfer five years ago on the camp with me um it's oh my god it's absolutely magical and like especially this year because every single camp we set up a whatsapp group so i can kind of see the communication between them as well but then they'll cut me out and start their own one and i'm like that's okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no absolutely like the the stories are just insane it's so so cool that's like probably one of the coolest parts of my job afterwards like seeing that yeah well knowing that you're having like a really positive impact on somebody's life like to well just for, just for those two people that you said about like you've changed their life that must be such an incredible feeling do you know what it's like it's pretty crazy i just feel like i'm the facilitator and if i can do that i'm putting the elements there for them but then it's all them um and we've had some really insane stories because on a deeper level i really really profoundly believe in the benefits of a life rooted in sport and adventure and play. And I have had a lot of experiences with that and how it's transformed my life. And it healed me from depression and um, mourning the loss of my dad when I was really young. So, you know, though starting to surf again for me after those things happened to me completely changed my life. And I never, you know, I had a couple of dark patches and a lot of us do. And I think it's so pertinent today as well. And, it doesn't have to be going for a surf. Like there's a lot of people right now and 
you know, they might be stuck in a tier four lockdown, but just even getting your nose out into the local park for an hour a day, whether that's on a walk or a run, that kind of exposure to the outdoors can just be so healing. And um, yeah, I really, really believe in that. So my wildest dream with that, it would have, you know, impacted someone in a big way because I truly believe it can. And I've had some nuts stories about, you know, people, a lot of people who've come on the camps come when they're going through a life change or they want to have a life change or they've just quit their job or they've just dumped their boyfriend, which we love, <laughs> or they're like, they're just getting divorced or something. And we're like, yes, come to us. And they're looking for their tribe and anyone can be in the tribe. It's not like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes things can be really cliquey. And like I said, we have every, you know, girls and women from all sorts of walks of life. And it doesn't matter where you're from, what you do, what you look like, how tall you are, how small you are, you know, getting out into the water, getting into the outdoors, going on a hike, you're all bonded by that same amazing feeling of stoke and like pushing your limits. And we're all we're kind of all in it together. And I know that that can be transformative. And I have endless amounts of testimonials now where people have kind of said that as well. And so in my own small way to have been able to facilitate that, it's been incredibly rewarding. Yeah, like uh, unreal, to be honest. It like, gives me goosebumps sometimes when I think about it. That is really nice to hear. I mean, not on that level, but because uh, we mm. haven't been going very long, but we get messages saying, oh my God, listening to your podcast has made me get back into surfing or I've just started surfing. And you're like, you know, if if one person starts surfing or one person feels better about themselves, that's that's the whole aim of it. Yeah. Um, but surfing, I can't say it, surfing specific, <laughs> what, what would you say it is? I mean, we, we spoke to Jamal Yogis when we started this first of all, and he explained surfing as surfing is the movement side of meditation. Mm. Um, which oh, I is like really, that. It, it really sort of hits. That is, that yeah, is summed really, it up quite well. That, that's the, that's the best response we've had so far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what 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 can you what can you say it is about about surfing that people that do it together and surf together they they seem to just remain friends or they're all you know not as in friends as in always best mates who you go around mm-hmm. each other's houses but they're always friends and they're always once they've surfed together they always yeah. you see them at a beat or break or whatever. And there's, there's, always connection, there's a there? connection. Yeah. I yeah. think I think there's a few things at play there, which are honestly like it's like magic in motion. And I think one, the exposure to nature when you're surfing, being in the ocean, which is the most inky blue place of like magic you can ever experience, is something that is so good for you mentally and physically. Um, I mean, there's studies about this, obviously, and like, I'm very lucky to work with an incredible charity as an ambassador for the last four years, the Wave Project. So, you know, like, the fact that they're NHS backed um, and it's a prescriptive surf therapy, you know, like that, that in black and white tells you how good surfing can be for you. And then equally, yeah, so you're away from your computer, you're away from your smartphone, there's nothing but you and the elements and yourself. And you can switch off. It's just about focusing on that next wave or about having a laugh with the people you meet. And I think about everyone I've met surfing since I started when I was a teenager. And surfing is one of those incredible sports. Also like climbing, I think, where the community is pervasively powerful. And I'm so lucky that I feel it's it's kind of funny because 
I'll be with my partner and wherever we go in the world, we might be in the middle of nowhere. Like last year, we were in the middle of nowhere in El Salvador, like literally in the middle of nowhere. And I bump into someone I know through surfing and he's like, how? He's like, that happens wherever you go. And I'm like, I know, isn't it awesome? And it's because you're jacked up on just like happy endorphins and you feel good in the water. But don't get me wrong. I've had moments where I've been crying in the surf because I've had my ass handed to me or it's not going my way. You know, it's a hard sport. But by the large, you're feeling good things. And when you're bonded with other people on the same frequency, feeling that, that's an immediate connection to those people. And it's something that is really, really strong, I think. So it powerfully bonds you. And then those bonds can just trickle around the world. So like me, other people who surf, wherever you go, you'll just, you know, you'll either find a friend straight away when you paddle out because people tend to be, by the large, quite happy. Um, Although there's a few grouchy characters, but there are in everything. Um, And you'll always be able to, like, have these mates and you know sometimes you'll need them I've, I've been tra- I travel so much and it's cool to know that you can like call up a buddy and be like hey can you meet me for a beer here like let's meet for a surf and I think yeah surfing is one of those wholly unique sports that that does that yeah well that kind of leads us quite well into the, the your charity stuff that you do mm. so the wave project we've been following for quite a while now yeah um uh, we're desperately trying to get them on and we're, we're having conversations and stuff. But how did you get involved? You, I know you're an ambassador yeah. uh, and there's a few other people as well that are ambassadors as well. But how did you get involved? So a couple of years ago, I was running my, I wanted to run a fundraiser for the Wave Project. I was conscious of their incredible work. I'd seen it within media. I'd spoken to some people who'd worked for them. And when I was doing my surf coaching qualifications, there were a couple of people on my course who already were working with the Wave Project. So the more and more I found out about these guys, and basically I thought their mentality is exactly the same as mine and what they believe. And it's incredibly imperative as well, reaching out to like the younger generation and people suffering from ang- kids suffering from anxiety and depression. And having experienced that myself, I really wanted to be able to speak to younger people and kind of like, let them know that surfing is there. Surfing can offer this profound healing. So I reached out to them and connected with the CEO, Joe, and we went for a coffee. And I said, I want to do this event, um, fundraising for you guys, but I'd also like to explore a deeper partnership. Like, what can I do? And then it kind of just snowballed from then. And honestly, it's been an incredible four years. And I, I kind of like feel that the word ambassador could be used quite loosely. Like you see that like flung across Instagram. Oh, I'm a ambassador to a tea detox company or whatever no not to like not to like um, talk crap about them whatever tea tea companies are awesome less detox companies but yeah so (laughs) it really spiraled from them we had the first event uh which normally i would host every year it's called mad to rave you guys have to come to the next one it's like it's rock rock and roll as heck but it also fundraise fundraisers for them So, yeah, in my capacity as an ambassador for the WAVE project, I've worked on different fundraising initiatives. So last year, I was the face of a fitness campaign for a company called Sweaty Betty, one of my best mates. And I got to design a T-shirt, which was sold directly through them. And that raised funds for 100 kids to access the surf therapy program at the WAVE project. And then I've been a spokesperson. I hosted their annual awards. Um, I've worked on like content creation with them. So 
it's it really adapts. But I, I've worked so closely with Joe Taylor, the CEO, um, and then I got my my buddy Victoria Pendleton, who's a former Team GB athlete and Olympic gold medalist, on board, and she's now the patron. So together, we've kind of like we've been to surf coaching days and taught the kids and. It's been amazing for both of us because she also sort of has a similar story with like me, um, you know, like how surfing really transformed her life. So we really have had such a amazing ride um, working with the Wave Project. And I mean, I feel like more than ever, their work and work of other charities like that is going to be incredibly important. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, did you meet Victoria on one of your retreats? Did she come to one of your retreats? Or actually, we met a way long time before that. It was when I was at Oakley and I was looking after women's marketing, and she was our main female athlete. And basically, I was working on this campaign that I put together and made her the face of. And then, literally, the second we met, we were like, "Hello!" Like you know, when you just know you're going to be best mates with someone. We got on like a house <laughs> on fire, and then. After I left Oakley, yeah, she came on a couple of trips, but we've traveled like a ton together as well. And yeah, she's like one of my ride or dies, like big ups. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. I suppose you haven't got to see her much recently because no. of this. Uh, it sucks. I was just FaceTiming her this morning and like, I miss my friends so much. It's kind of got to that yeah. point where, you know, it's really hard when you don't get to see your loved ones. And my family, my sister lives in Asia between Bali and Singapore, and I haven't seen her for like the whole year. And, you know, it's, it is devastating. And more than ever, I really rely on like keeping myself on the straight and narrow, but making sure I take care of my my mental and physical health and my well-being by like going for a surf or just having a calming hike out into the cliffs and, you know, like seeing a sunset. These are moments while even though the world can seem like, and it is in many respects, like in a tumultuous state and it can be very scary and very alarming. But I think if you just allow yourself those moments, they can really reground you and also make you smile. And like, we need those little smiles in life right now. Yeah. People need to remember to kind of force herself to go out and do that, don't they? Because it's very easy to get in a rut and, you know, Mm -hmm. get up not you know some people are working from home stay in their pajamas all day mm. you know go to bed and then it just gets this never-ending cycle and then but you do need that don't you there is definitely something within nature that that heals you yeah, um, yeah. people just need to remember that don't they and get out there and and experience it yeah and I think about like the first lockdown I was actually in the UK in March April and May um and basically like we were only allowed out for like an hour a day right and I will not forget how magical that hour felt how much it meant to me and how good it made me feel and how much local magic I found with it with you know surrounding the immediate place of where I was that I had no idea that was there and yeah like I think it can be tough when you just want to marinate in your pjs and you're lacking the motivation but motivation can come from many places and I think if you just you know, like take that one little step. It's kind of like a small step, but it can feel like Everest, especially if you're stuck in a rut. But you'll feel such a sense of pride that you've done it. And then obviously after after you've headed outside or done a little hour of something you love to do, like a sport you really love or just even a gentle walk, you will feel better for it. And just it is meditative and cathartic. And I think people need to understand that there's this like tonic and balm there which you know can be intensely 
rewarding for you to do. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things where with the way everything is at the moment, people, when they start talking about it and how bad it's been, mm. everyone sort of pulls back a little bit because we're aware there's people out there, you know, have lost loved ones and people they know yeah. have died from it and stuff like that. But at the same time, it has been crap for absolutely everybody yeah. for so long. And it's, it's, it's just, it's, it is like the first, first lockdown, I was all right. I was like, you know, I kept myself busy mm-hmm. and everything. The second one that's come round, I, I felt myself starting to go a little bit insane. Yeah. Like the things, you know, focusing on things that, you know, I wouldn't normally focus on or, you know, things like that. Yeah. What, we remember, what people got to remember is getting outside and enjoying yourself is free. And yes. There and you can go out and you can do it. And I was listening to the radio today and there's a guy um, saying about what he does. And he did this really cool thing. So he goes out every single day for a walk, no matter what, rain or sun sunshine whatever he'll go out walking but what he says he does when he's out is he said he looks up he said he walks around and looks up and he said when you look up and you don't see any of the crap that's going on around you <laughs> he said it really does help and so i'm going to start doing that now just looking up when you're out. that sounds like a really cool easy thing to do to that's probably why that's probably why i enjoy surfing because i spend most of the time on my back looking up at the sky. <laughs> But he's right, like, it's, you know, you guys are right, it's free to do that, and I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of sports maybe that do involve money, but things like going going out for a walk and, like, looking up, exactly. I think so many of us are looking down, and whenever I'm in London, maybe not London 2020, but let's say London pre-2020, or any city, I'm just, like, struck by people looking down especially on their phones you know it's like this everyone seems to be doing it 90 percent of people i see walking around and it's incredible what happens if you just like lift your gaze take a big sniff of like the delicious fresh air wherever you're at and yeah you know like take a few se- seconds to reset yeah, just yeah um so I know you've got another charity you're involved with as well. Is this one that you've started in Morocco? So I didn't start this charity, but similar to the Wave Project, I basically, having spent four years running retreats in Morocco and having lived there either side of them for some time and really immersing ourselves into the local community, um, we've worked with a really cool women's collective there before and the girls always go to meet them and we have an awesome day hanging out and like learning about local cultures and their work they do with botanical herbs. But I said to myself, I was like, I want to find a partner out there so, you know, we can get a deeper understanding of the local girls community there. And also how can we give back to them? How can we support them? So, Fortunately, a dear friend of mine, Sufian, who works with me on the camps, he was on the board of this charity, Amsmoon, and he said, oh, I've got the perfect charity. So the charity is based in the very small town in Morocco, Ayouir, also known as Banana Village, which many surfers will know. Um, tiny, teeny little town, uh, kind of like must stop next to Tagazoo for a lot of people on their surf odysseys in Morocco. So I got speaking with Brooke, who is working at the top of it so the manager and just really got an understanding of yeah like it, it's tricky for girls out there just to even like do sports there's a lot of cultural differences and different cultural barriers as well about like times when they can do it obviously what they can wear but you know these girls are just jazz they want to go surfing and they want to go hiking and they want to go skating so 
once we'd spent some time talking about the charity, figuring out what we can do, this was earlier in the year, COVID then hit, boom. Um, and obviously the needs of the local community changed. And with Morocco and these tiny little surf towns like Tagazoo being so based on tourism and the economy that tourism generates, the needs were really pressing and really urgent. And just like in the UK, the mental health of the youth and the fact that, you know, so many people are unemployed. It was critical at that point for this charity to be active. And the charity Amsmoon is an amazing center. So they've actually got their own physical space. And they arrange everything from, yeah, PE classes, surf classes, skateboarding, cultural expeditions, technology classes, so learning about digital marketing, English classes, debating, it's really, really cool. It's not just for girls, but they have got a, a wing of the company, um, Amsterdam Girls. So we put together a big fundraiser this year, and I reached out to the Mad to Live community, and everyone was very, very generous. So we really like, yeah, came together, basically. We were unable to buy food baskets for the families which were suffering, um, pay the rent for the charity's um, physical mix and br bricks and mortar space, for the year so they didn't need to worry about that so they could focus on delivering all their programs um so it was really cool to see what can happen in a small community like mad to live when they're called upon and yeah we really look forward to entrenching our partnership with them which will be a continuous thing and we've already got some really cool ideas coming up so there'll be more to share from that yeah well that sounds that sounds amazing and it's it's also a testament to how well you're doing with the people that are coming to your retreats and you know getting involved with you in the mad to live family that they you, you know you know you've just got to put a call out and people will answer it like that and you know that says a lot I think about you more than it you know says about people in general that you you know they've come to you they've enjoyed their time with you they've got experience from you that they're going to treasure forever and they're willing for you to, you know, you just put the put the question out there and people are willing to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've been to Tagazoo myself and it's, um, yeah, it's quite a poor, poor area really, isn't it, right now? And like you said, they rely on tourism and stuff. So, you know, well, I know when we were there, um, you, you're right, you don't really see many women around in the day, do you? They're, they're, um, mm. they're, they're just not they're not there. Like you said, it's a cultural thing, isn't it? So how, how are you... How would the charity help with that, do you think? Or is it, do you think it's changing now? It's becoming a bit more, um, I don't know, like European feeling. Because I know when we were, a lot of Morocco is still like uh, like the basic long drop toilets, isn't it? But in yeah. Tagazoot, it, it's now turned into like European toilets. It was like a godsend. When we were there, like, oh my God, thank God. No, they're like, I have some badass local Moroccan girlfriends. So I'm thinking about my girlfriends out there, like Wafa, who's a so it's like semi-pro skateboarder out there who is so, so cool. So no, I think that's true. It's basically like the logistics actually of providing, say, a fitness class and the time of day they can actually do it and what they're permitted to wear. It's those kind of like logistics more of how Amsmoon kind of get around that and like be it, enable girls to like participate in these classes. So it's been really cool to learn about that. But I think within my capacity anyway of like running the retreats, I've met and work with, I have some really, really cool local girls who work with me. And yeah, they're just badass as heck. They shred. They're so, so inspiring. Not just because they're Moroccan girls who surf, 
just because they're freaking cool and they rip. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of them are just, you know, yeah, I absolutely love going out there. Morocco's got like, for anyone who's been, you guys have been, it's got this amazing, amazing magic about it. And I really wanted to do something that would help benefit the community there. So, I, you know, it's a testament to Brooke, who's running Amsmoon, and she does it by any kind of means possible, and she doesn't have a lot of means possible. So I thoroughly recommend if you love Morocco and you want to find out more to check out Amsmoon because they really do a lot of cool work out there. Yeah, that that does sound yeah, like we a definitely will do really that. good yeah. place to look. Um, and I noticed earlier you mentioned about you do some retreats as well in the UK, or you've done them in the UK. Yeah. So yeah. I. So how do they how do they work in the UK? Yeah. So basically, when I was living in London, sort of like basically, I moved to London in my early twenties, and I knew I had to do it to get to where I wanted to in my career. I kind of like swallowed the lump in my throat because I wasn't that into London as a city myself at that point. It was too big and smelly and it was way too far away from the ocean. And I was like, oh, frickin', frickin' hell. I was like, this is gonna be hard. And it really was. And I really found it really, really tough at the beginning. You know, like big, giant, crazy, stinky cities can be nuts. But then I did gradually discover the magic of London um, for myself. And what I love is like, it's such a melting point pot of different cultures and, uh, you know, like being able to eat some of the best Turkish food you'll ever have in your life and like some of the best Vietnamese food you'll ever have in your life. And yeah, I've had a lot of fantastic experiences there. But whilst I was there, I think, so I have a couple of best friends um, thinking about my best friend, Tom, and we would pretty much every weekend nearly drive out to Devon to escape the city and go surf. And one of my friends had a house right on, has a house right on Pottsburgh Beach, which is where we spent all our time. And I grew up in Greece. How lucky. I know. Oh, sorry. How lucky are they? We're just, we are, our jaws are just, yeah, they like we're, yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't <laughs> even explain how insane his place is. It's ridiculous. And yeah, like, <laughs> I actually, thinking about like the UK surf scene, so I grew up in Greece and spent a lot of time in Portugal and then did my GCSEs and A-levels in England. And it took me a long time to kind of get into the UK and I just didn't even know that there was like such a cool uh, surf community and scene. And as I started surfing more, um, which, you know, really happened as I was going to Devon so much, I was exposed to the absolutely cool ass community that is English surf culture and it would make me feel so good going on these trips every weekend with my best mates so Devon always had this like massively huge place in my heart um, and I spent a lot of time there on road trips as well then so I actually did a collaboration with a brand the North Face a couple of years ago um, and I got to front one of their campaigns which was super cool and then as part of that I was able to put together a retreat in collaboration with them. They were like, where do you want to do it? And I was like, definitely in England. I want to celebrate the UK surf culture. I want to introduce the people who come on this camp to the wonders of it. Because a lot of these chicks live in London or big cities. They haven't got a freaking clue that like three, four hours from leaving the city, you can have your toes in like crystal clear water you know, some of the most amazing moments I've experienced surfing have been in England and a lot of people just don't know it's there. And I think 
a lot of people this year with staycations being such a big thing in the UK, whilst it might have made a lot of the breaks a lot busy, more busy everywhere. Same as here, though. Everyone was kind of desperate to get their fix of surf, right? But the UK is home to some, you know, absolutely amazing surf breaks. The culture is one of a kind. I absolutely love having those misty, like, red and dark sky night surfs in the middle of winter in Devon. And then you get out and you head to the local pub and the fire's roaring and you might get a mulled cider. And I don't know, the community is so cool. And I have some fantastic friends within English surf and putting together that camp was a really special thing. So I'm really hungry to do more of them. Yeah, I, th- I thought you were going to say, yeah, I put this camp together and it was flat all week. <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, one of the days we surfed, the first day, I actually couldn't have like dreamed a better situation. We were like by what we were at Westwood Ho and it was just, it was what day was it? It was November, so it was freaking cold. But the colour of the sky that time of year in England, it blows my mind. It's like when the sun's beginning to set and the sunsets are like, I mean, you feel like you've died and gone to heaven and it was glassy and like waist high and just perfect. I'll never forget it. It was one of my favorite surfs of my life. Yeah. I know people listening to this podcast who will know of you and that you surf around the world and that kind of stuff for you to say one of the best surfs of your life was in, you know, Westwood Ho in North Devon yes! in the UK. That's really that's yeah. going to really resonate with a lot of people. They'll be so happy about that because you always you always think oh, I know grass is always greener. I suppose, don't you? Mm. Like that's because you haven't been over there to fuck it up. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. no, it honestly was. It honestly was, and I feel like yeah. So many of us. Another thing I've learned this year is like we're all searching and searching and hungry and hungry for it. And travel is fantastic. And there's so many benefits to experiencing travel. But often when you just like take a closer look at your own doorstep, you will be massively surprised at what's hiding around the corner. And yeah, one of my favorite surfs ever was that day. And I'll never forget the color of the sky. I'll never forget drinking a hot toddy afterwards and just like with my frosty little face and like looking at the glassy peelers coming in and how it made me feel. And I remember how it feels perfectly because as soon as I think about it, it like floods through me. And those are the type of surfs that just like I treasure in my little like mental bank in my brain. And I'll always can go to and travel to in my head if I need something to cheer me up. Well, that, that actually leads me to a question that we ask a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's, it's a surprisingly difficult one. If you could only surf one place for the rest of your life, where would it be? Oh. Anywhere in the world? No. <laughs> I can't. I can't. No, I don't like that. That's not fair. Okay, basically, <laughs> I I don't want to sound like a like an ass because I've just been like citing the virtues of English surf. But I think because because I've lived quite yeah an international life, so I've surfed a couple of spots that are really amazing and it would probably be it might be my local break it's such a hard question oh god it might be my local break in portugal um because it's where i learned to surf i have a lot of really really personal memories of like being there with my family and my dad and um, it just feels like home, you know, and I think people always probably say their home break. And then a close runner-up would probably be 
a spot in Costa Rica I love uh, where I'd go with my surf coach who's kind of like a second father figure to me and he's taught me pretty much everything I know about surfing and I had a couple of really special moments with him at this spot and it was like I mean you have to pinch yourself because it's that beautiful you just you're like is this real life and that's why surfing is so incredible because you're exposed to these moments and situations that you have to pinch yourself and it might be in Westwood Ho, it might be in Costa Rica, but you'll have that kind of same feeling and you'll pinch yourself and just be like, how magical is this? And yeah, you can always travel there in your head when you need that little pick me up and just remember. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've had a few of those in like Westwood Ho where we've had like some real special days and then saunter yeah. and stuff like that. It's, it's the it's the evening sunset. Yeah, the sunset. There's just surfs. nothing else like it in the world. I was gonna say Costa Rica, that that is actually one of the reasons we started a podcast was mm-hmm. there was a podcast from Costa Rica, some surf yeah, it was a, it was an Eng- an English guy and uh, an American guy and they, they surf in Costa Rica mm-hmm. and um they would spin this wheel of surf. It was only ran for a year. They had a budget for a year, and wherever they, wherever this wheel landed on, mm. um, they would go and surf in that country. And they came to the UK, and <gasps> the American guy had just never seen anything like it in his life. He said, "It's absolutely bloody freezing, and these crazy <laughs> people are going in the water in these." He didn't even he didn't even know of five mil wetsuits, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he said to some bloke about how cold it was. He's like. It's October, mate. It's bloody boiling. (laughs) This is great water. Yeah, that got a sink. At that that time then, there wasn't any UK podcast, like surfing podcast that we knew of. And we we looked for them. We couldn't find anything. So we thought, yeah, we we start one up, you know. But it's really nice to to hear you say about the UK surf culture being Mm. a one-off. And this this is the reason why we started it, isn't it? Because we feel exactly the same. And since this has been going, there's been like a lot of love about it. And we, now, now you're now we're kind of immersed in it a bit more, mm-hmm. and we get to connect with people like yourself and all. And everybody just loves it so much. It's really, really nice to hear. No, yeah, I was just thinking. It's just like it might be small, and a lot of people might not really think about the UK having such a rich surf scene, but it really, truly does. And there's some incredible individuals within it as well. And it's just like. Yeah, I mean, the fact that if you ask a lot of people who surf a lot around the world, like, you know, like, I've been to a lot of spots, but the fact that the UK is up there for me, and I mean, everyone British will say that as well. They'll be like, the UK, you know, like, world-class breaks. But it is true. You might have to wait for a special day, but it is true. (laughs) I think that's why it's more special, because when those special days aren't every day or they're not every week Mm. so when they come they're so cherished i think that's why i think that's part of the reason why uk surfing is so special Mm -hmm. yeah totally agree i actually have the time that we did the north face camp i had my number two lucy with me who's american from rhode island like i said before and she was like my god she's just used to surfing like tropical breaks recently she's like i have to surf in england in november and i was like yeah you do <laughs> and i was like i'll get you a, i'll get you a thick wetsuit and some boots and i mean the whole thing was alien to her but she was just like you know she was with me in that moment when we were at westwood ho and was like oh my god and i like, was very into the whole hot toddy thing afterwards as well but after that she oh, yeah. then went, she then went back to rhode island and was surfing now surfs the winters there as well after experiencing that in the uk 
and yeah, cold water surfing. I mean, I've had some surfs in England, like in Newquay, wearing a bikini with dolphins around me in the middle of July, and you're like, what the heck? This is England, and the yeah. water is crystal, <laughs> crystal clear, and it's just alarmingly beautiful. And then also like having the other side of that, the richness of cold water surfing and the culture there. And I've worked quite closely with the brand Finisterre over the years and different interviews and different stories I've written about them. And, you know, I think they really personify British surf culture so well too. And like the way they showcase it on like an international level is absolutely awesome. And the UK has got some incredible like sporting talent and, I think it's so cool now that surfing is in the Olympics and be able to see what the British athletes can do on that stage because when it happened with snow sports, like snowboarding, I mean, we came home with like two medals, yo. So who knows yeah. what could happen with surfing? <laughs> yeah, well, we've got the wave that's just down the road from us now, you know, the wave pool that's opened up and that place is absolutely amazing. Yes. And you see people, if people are going through that and they're going to be practicing, 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 they're going to be another level completely mm, yeah definitely totally um right i got one more one more question for you which is also a question that i like to ask a lot if you could go back to the start when you started all of this off what would you do differently do you think there's anything you'd do differently Ooh, okay that, honestly there isn't much i would do differently because i'm quite content and happy with the journey of it so far but the only thing i would do differently and i think a lot of like entrepreneurs out there who run their own businesses it's very hard to get balances correct in your life between personal life and work. And I would say just like having a bit of a, you know, like having a better understanding that those balances are critical. And anyone who starts a business will know you put your life and soul and blood and sweat and tears into it. And that's why it means so much to you as well. And that's why when I get these stories from women who've had impactful experiences or I get to work with charities like The Wave Project or Amsmood, it means so much to me because... I started the brand on just like, you know, like this teeny tiny idea and to be able to get to share those experiences with people is phenomenal. And I would just say, make sure you try and carve out that personal time for yourself so you can reflect and absorb. And it's not just like a nonstop wild ride. You want to be able to really absorb everything that's going on. So carve out that time. That's the only thing I would do differently. Yeah, that's great. Um, so just before we go, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to uh, tell everybody where's best to find you and your Instagram account and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. So people can always find me on my Instagram, which is Sophie Mad to Live. Pretty easy to remember, I always think. Some people read it as Sophie Mad Olive, which I also think is hilarious because I love Olive. <laughs> but no, it's Sophie Mad to Live. Um, and you can check out the homepage, which includes all the details on the retreats and also all my editorial work and published work. Everything around Mad to Live, which is www.wearemadtolive.com. Excellent. Well, thanks for your time today, Sophie. Um, I really hope you the the, the um, retreats are back on soon and, yeah. uh, and people can come on to them because it, it looks really cool. So thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. It's so great to chat to you guys. And yeah, congrats on launching this podcast. You're right. UK needed an awesome podcast <laughs> and it didn't have one. Right. So yeah, thank you so much for having me as a guest. It's been really cool. And thanks for that, Sophie. That, that was great. great. Yeah, yeah, really good. Said that at the same time. Yeah, brilliant. It was. It was really good. Really good fun, that one. I really enjoyed it. And uh, she was coming to us from Portugal. Uh, yeah, she just got back from a surf. Yeah, 
so yeah, it looks like yeah. I've said. Well, I've seen like some uh, pictures on Instagram of of today's surf, and it just looks beautiful over there. Yeah, um, but like to come back from a surf with that much energy, yeah, is like. Yeah. I come back from this. I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to eat and sleep. Yeah. N- not speak to two idiots <laughs> for the internet for an hour. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do really like the fact that she said one of her best surfs was in Westwood Ho in the UK. Yeah, me too. That's that's really nice to hear that, isn't it? Because yeah. like, she's kind of international and surfs around the planet. So yeah. to, know, to know that one of the best places is the UK, yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. Uh, also, like we've had one of our best. Well, I think what our best ever surfers at Westwood Hay. Yeah, we it? did. Didn't we back in the summer? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so it was nice to know that 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 location's up there and it's not that yeah. far. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we um, have a new code coming for our North Core discount code, don't we? We don't know what it is yet, but it's a new one for twenty twenty one. Yeah, they're happy. We're happy. Yeah, so we're going to carry it on. People so it was, using it. yeah, people yeah. have been using it. It was only meant to be uh, for this year, but it's gone quite well. So it's now been extended into 2021, which is fantastic. So thank you, everybody that's used the code. Yeah. Um, and as we said, we'll get the new one out to you as soon as possible. Probably be on a future podcast. Yep. Yeah, and we'll post, no, we can't post it on Instagram, can we? No, we'll talk about it on the podcast. But um, we better talk about our competition. Oh, yeah. So we're now in January. Yes. And our January blues competition is well underway. So get your kookiest pictures to us ASAP. Yeah, you can uh, send them to us by emither, and that is... Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> emither. <laughs> emither? What's that? <laughs> can't remember. I've heard of something before. By email, <laughs> anyway. And, um, yeah, that is the UK surf show at gmail.com. You totally throw me. Oh, whatever. I just going to say either every time. <laughs> or you can uh, send them to us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you can send stuff. Um, yeah, your kookiest photo. Be prepared. I'm going to put all the photos we receive into a little slideshow video for our Instagram this time as well and put them all out there. Yeah, and the the guys that will win will be they'll be first, second and third slot. Yeah. So um, because yeah. we felt so bad last time that we didn't do runner up prizes. Yeah. We decided we'd do it this time, haven't we? And there's yeah. so many prizes this time that Yeah, you'll have to go on the uh, the internet and uh, look at them on either Instagram or I'll put something on our website yeah we've got um, so many people involved this year yeah it's well over a thousand pound worth of prizes in there yep. and it's just a ridiculous amount of companies it's it's absolutely phenomenal so yeah get involved and that will run and we'll pick a winners end of January end of January yeah January blues yeah so uh, thanks for listening today and um, hope to see you all again next time take it easy cheers <laughs>